Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast on this 15th of October 2019. You have just watched Washington National History. They are going to the World Series for the first time ever. The Washington Nationals are the 2019 National League champions as they complete the demolition, and I mean demolition, of the St. Louis Cardinals, 7-4. This game was over early. Uh, First inning, Nationals have a seven-run inning. Cardinals were sloppy. Uh, The Cardinals were sloppy. They knocked Hudson around. Um, young pitcher, just you know, on the road, had no chance in that spot. Got knocked around. Didn't get helped by the Cardinal defense. Nationals got some good at bats. Made made the Cardinals pay, and from then on, it was basically basically was a coronation. I mean, I never got the sense, even with the bases loaded, Carpenter up in a big spot. I never got the sense that the Nationals were ever in danger of of losing this game. Uh, they were in total control of this game. They were in total control of this series, and they are going to the World Series where they will be well-rested, to say the least, get a chance to get some guys, you know, bumps and bruises, guys that are we're late into the season, get their rotation in order. You would have to think that um, uh, they have enough time to wear Strasburg game one, Scherzer game two, uh you know, Corbin game three. I would think that that would be the, you know, you you can go you can go Scherzer game one. I mean, Strasburg Scherzer it really doesn't matter. But I I think with the with this series being over with as quickly as it is, um, the uh, that the Nationals will go with uh, Strasburg in game one. But again, that is a great problem, not a good problem, a great problem to have. Um, as the Washington Nationals will, will, will wait for the winner, winner of the Houston Astros New York Yankees um, series, uh, in which ALCS, in which the Houston was able to get past New York, four to one. Garrett Cole just continues to just pitch, you know, like like a man possessed. I mean, his numbers: twenty-five starts, his last twenty-five starts, he's nineteen zero. His last twenty-five starts didn't even have his best stuff. Um, Houston can beat you any type of way. They can beat you scoring 10, 12 runs. They can beat you, you know, with the pitching. They can beat you any which way, but any which way but possible. Uh, I thought the Yankees blew an opportunity in that game too. Even though if you're a Yankee fan, you were happy about getting the split, but you easily could have been up 2-0. Um, Houston having uh, Garrett Cole on the road in a game three is a major advantage. Servino pitched well, but you know Garrett Cole will probably win the Cy Young this winter and probably and win the uh, get the biggest free agent contract of the winter without question. Um, he's going to get paid, so he was able to handle his business. Um, Altuve continues to just be a beast in the postseason. He, he, he hits a home run, and Houston uh, got attacked on late a couple runs and were able to hold off the Yankees four to one, but. It's about the Nationals, baby. It's about the Washington Nationals. Can you believe that the Wash that this franchise coming into the season, all the talk was about a player who is no longer on the team? 
That was all the talk was about. Bryce Harper, Bryce Harper, Bryce Harper's going to Philadelphia, Bryce Harper, $325 million. And again, I don't want to sit up here and pound on Bryce Harper. Um, Cause it's not about that, but ultimately it's about starting pitching. The rules of baseball, successful baseball never change as far as I'm concerned. You get great starting pitching, you get some clutch hitting, you have a decent to 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 good bullpen, not even a great bullpen, good great bullpen, a decent to good bullpen. You can win, you can uh, win a championship. And again, I think the Nationals match up well against either one of those teams. I think the Nationals should, would be probably favored against the Yankees. I think they would be favored against the Yankees. I think Houston still commands the respect of being <coughs> deservedly so of being the overall favorite. They have the best balance of offense, starting pitching, and bullpen. Right now, the Nationals can beat anybody. You can't tell me that the Nationals haven't watched the Nationals and what they've done against the Dodgers. They could the comeback against Milwaukee and within the, in the complete just obliteration of the St. Louis Cardinals. You can't tell me that this is not a championship team. It is a absolute championship team. I'm not even gonna call it a, a, a team of destiny. I'm gonna call it a team that is championship caliber that is playing better than anyone right now in baseball and a team that just has whose confidence level is through the roof right now i mean two out hits the dominant starting pitching the bullpen has been you know has been out of this world during the postseason doolittle rayner hudson you know even when uh Corbin came out the bullpen earlier in this series and was it was, was tremendous. Saw Scherzer come out the bullpen in this uh, come out the bullpen in the Dodgers series and and, and and get some big outs. So this team right now is primed and poised not to just show up in the World Series but to win a championship. Period. And again, the organization did it the right way. They built their team the absolute way that you are supposed to build a team with the starting pitching, homegrown talent. And they have a perfect mix. You look at the team right now. They have every they check off every box that you will want in a World Series caliber, World Championship caliber team. They got to the, they have the starting pitching. They have the superstar players, the all-star caliber players, Soto and Rendon. They have the veteran players who are coming up big, Kendricks, Zimmerman. They have depth off the bench. And again, this was a team after 50 games was 19 and 31. After 50 games, that tells you how long the baseball season is. They were 19 and 31. And now they find themselves four games away from officially calling D.C. the city of champions or the district of champions. You know, St. Louis, listen, um, 
very rare that, that the Cardinals put up this type of showing when they do get to the postseason. But listen, it happens. Uh, the 1998s got swept by Cincinnati Reds, like, and that was a that A's team was great. I mean, you're talking about what Ricky Henderson and McGuire, Canseco. So it, in baseball, crazy things happen. A team gets hot, it, you know, it, especially with starting pitching. I mean, this this was out of this world starting pitching. I mean, they it, like Corbin had great stuff. The first four innings, but I thought he looked, seemed like he ran out of gas in the fifth inning. He was so pumped up. He was so, I mean, the, the ball was flying out of his, hand, his hands the first four innings. But, you know, he, he kind of settled down. And, again, I thought he got tired in the fifth inning. They got to him. He ended up striking out 11 to 12. Uh, they got to the bullpen. The bullpen handled this business. The bullpen got every big out. That The bullpen gave up no runs. The bullpen got every made every big out that you could that you know that was necessary. Got out bases loaded jams. Uh, Carpenter had no chance against Doolittle. Seemingly had had zero chance against um, against Doolittle. Um, so they did their job, and the, and the Nationals are now a team where you no longer can call them choke artists. You no longer can call them a team that underachieve. You know that all that stuff is out the window. Even if they don't win a championship. Now, yes, you want to win a World Series, but understand this about baseball. It's not like the Super Bowl in football where um it's win or bust for the Super Bowl cuz you know, cuz nobody cares about the Super Bowl loser. In baseball, you get to the World Series. That's like getting to the final four. In the in, in the NCAA tournament, it's a big, it's a absolute big deal. You get to you get to the World Series. Any excuse anybody, excuse me, anybody can lose in the World Series. Babe Ruth lost in the World Series. Barry Bonds lost in the World Series. Mickey Mantle lost in the World Series. Okay, we've seen Willie Mays lose in the World Series. And the greatest players that have ever played this game have lost in the World Series. Anybody can lose in the World Series. So the you know the the most difficult part is getting there. These are the most, you know, players say all the time. The players, for the most part, have fun in the World Series. The, the most pressurized games are the are the League Championship Series, or in the Nationals' case, I mean, the play in the playoff game. You know, the winner go home game down. You know, three one against Milwaukee. I mean, think about that. Think about that for a second. They were down three one at home against the Milwaukee Brewers. This thing was almost over before it even started. It was almost over before it even started. Uh, the amount of resiliency out of this team has been unreal over the course of the season and through the playoffs. And you've just seen it as I you know, watched each game, the momentum, the confidence grow and grow and grow to a point to where every time they step on the field, they feel like they're gonna. They feel like they're gonna win the game. They're gonna make get every big make get every big strikeout, get every two out hit, make the great defensive play. And you know this series was over in essence, really after game one. Unlike like you know the Yankees took advantage of of, of not having faith of not facing Verlander or Garrett Cole in the first two games. Zach Greinke, very good pitcher, not on level of those two. 
took advantage of that, was able to, they were able to steal game one. Well, not even steal game one. They ran through, uh, shut out, smack, knocked around Houston game one, um, seven nothing. St. Louis had an opportunity in game one. No Scherzer, no Strasburg, and you let Anibal Sanchez almost no hit you. That that cannot happen. That told you all you need to. That, that told you all you need to know about the direction of the series, and the fact that St. Louis was just not going to be able to just to do anything with with Washington. Once you get through three one down against Milwaukee, and one nothing two one down against the Dodgers, win a game five in Dodger Stadium. The rest is almost gravy. I mean, at that point, it really, like, you feel like you're playing with house money. And the Nationals will go into the World Series as loose as a team could be, as confident as a team could be. Now, big challenge moving forward. They're going to have a lot of time off. The Yankee Series has at least two more games left. If the Yankees win tomorrow, then, you know, it's going to go, you know, at least six. So that game one could be tricky. That for game one of the World Series could be tricky in terms of not so much starting pitching, but in terms of the hitting, timing, things of that nature. But again, that at this point in the season where you've played so many games, guys have dealt with injuries over the course of the season, you, you have some uh, Robles, uh, Robles just getting back. Zimmerman, Zimmerman has had some injuries. Scherzer has had some injuries. Your bullpen is probably is tired. All the pitchers are tired at this point. Days off don't. Days off certainly will not hurt. It is a good problem to have when you can get you can get some guys some extra time off. Um, I'm very pleased that the Nationals were able to, to clinch this uh, at home. And, um, there are. Some some fans that have been diehards since the Nationals came about in 2005, going back to you know Frank Robinson and and you know you, you see a guy like uh, you see a city that dealt with so much losing between the Wizards and the Washington Football Team and the heartbreak of the Capitals up until 2018. That you know DC deserve the the real DC fans. There's a bunch of fake DC fans out here, fake DC sports fans out here, and I'll just call it the way it is. But the the true fans that root for the for the, all the home teams, root for Georgetown, root for the uh, root for uh, the Capitals and the Washington Football Team and the Wizards. This is your night. This is your night. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. It is hard to get to the World Series. It's not easy to get into the World Series. You know, what the, what, San Francisco, what the San Francisco Giants did in the early part of this decade, three championships in five years, that, that's something that you're not going to see anytime soon. It's just, I don't care how much resources you have. You know, what the Red Sox have been doing, you know, four championships um, since, you know, in what, 15 years, 2019. Yeah, four championships in 15 years. Probably not going to see that. You're not going to see that in the next 10, 15 years because the talent around baseball is spread out. It's no longer about which team has the most money. It's about how you develop 
talent. It's about how you draft and develop talent. It's just that simple. It's about getting, you know, the right front office people to make, you know, to make the right decisions. It's about, you know, not going crazy with analytics. So it's a lot of components that go into building a championship baseball team. And Mike Grizzo, the ownership of the Nationals, have done just that. They have built a championship caliber baseball team. And again, I mentioned this in last month in last week's podcast. Sometimes it just happens like this in sports. Um, there have been years where people thought the Nationals were favored to win a championship or were going to win the World Series. Didn't happen. Just like with the Capitals, there have been years, you know, nobody thought the Capitals were going to win a championship in 2018. People thought their time had passed. People thought they had, you know, missed their best chances. The Ovechkin was possibly going to be on the, on the decline. Even with this national team, no one thought coming into this season that the Nationals would be in the World Series. I did not hear. I heard Dodgers. You heard, um, you know, some. You heard mainly Dodgers. I, the Dodgers were the team that everybody was talking about in the National League. It was the Dodgers and basically everybody else. Like nobody was even uh, even worth talking about in the National League outside the Dodgers. But lo and behold, you have this team that just came together at the, the perfect time, got healthy, healthy at the perfect time, ended the season red hot. And ever since getting past that Milwaukee game, they have, you know, played at a level going back and forth with the Dodgers, taking the Dodgers' best hit. And, you know, game five against the Dodgers, you know, those winning those last two games now, they are have won six straight postseason games after being down 2-1 against the Dodgers. They, you know, they are a absolute, right now, a freight train. They are a freight train uh, uh, as they head into the World Series. So, and I would think that Howie Kendricks would be the LCS MVP. I, I think Kendricks, yeah, probably, I, I would lean towards Kendricks. Uh, more than likely. Um, a lot to talk about on this latest edition of the Real Deal podcast. I want to get to this uh, situation in the NBA with uh, China and LeBron and Adam Silver and Daryl Morey and, and, and all parties involved in, in, in this particular situation that has, has really taken the league over in the last week or so. Um, I mentioned this And I mentioned this to someone. There, I mentioned this last week. Um, there are a lot of different viewpoints of this from this situation. A lot of perspectives, a lot of layers, a lot of nuance. This is not a clear. It's not a cut and dry situation. Okay. I was having a conversation with somebody about it today. Gave me another viewpoint. It was a very fair one. And I came home, was thinking about it, read some stuff, read the Dave McManaman uh, um, column uh, or P article in ESPN just about, about an hour ago. It dropped it maybe a couple hours ago about the, it basically gives a detailed reporting on the meeting that happened with Dave, with Adam Silver and 
you know, the Nets and the Lakers and some kind of like a kind of like a play-by-play on on in that situation with LeBron and, and and the whole nine and the whole bit. I think that if you're LeBron James, you are the most powerful player in the league. You become kind of like a godfather figure in the league. Your opinion, your voice counts as much as anybody, more than anybody's. I think you have to go all in. Um, I'm going to read you a couple of tweets from LeBron. I have them up right here. His last couple of tweets that he sent out. Uh, real quick. This is the last one. Uh, my team and this league has just, just went through a difficult week. I think people need to understand what a tweet or statement can do to others. And I believe nobody stopped and considered what would happen. Could have waited a week to send it. Okay? Let me clear up the confusion. I do not believe there was any consideration for the consequences and ramifications of the tweet. I'm not discussing the substance. Others can talk about that. Okay. So, LeBron indirectly is is going after Daryl Morey, right? And the reason why LeBron is going after Daryl Morey is Daryl Morey's tweet affected the player's bottom line, which is money. Um, it was reported in the Dave McMahon uh, story that one of the Lakers, I don't know who, but one of the Lakers lost a million-dollar endorsement deal. Just like that, one a million dollars. Now, if someone, if someone else's comments take money out of your pocket, you would have every right to be pissed off. I can't tell the players, despite how much money they're making, despite how much money they have in the bank, despite all the income that that they that they have earned from the NBA endorsements. Can't sit up here and tell them not to react to a comment that affects their pockets. It's just it's it's it would be just insane for me to to say that because I know how it feels. Somebody else's comments took money out of my pockets. So if you're LeBron James. Herein lies an opportunity to go all in. Come out, call Dal Mori by name. You're like, listen, you're taking money out of our pockets. And it's not just my pockets, even the rank and file player who's not worth four or five hundred million dollars. Okay. So you're taking money. This is a business. You're taking money out of our pockets. Because I don't again, I don't want to hear about players having to stand with the media asking answer about questions, answer about players complaining about answering questions. Yeah, that's not it. Play, players they could they know comment questions all the time to American media. That they, they players know how to these players are have been a lot of these players have been answering questions or not answering questions since they were 15, 14 years old, 16 years old. And some of them in high school, most of them, you know, at the college levels, they are as media savvy as you can possibly be. 
Okay, especially dealing with the media in 2019. So that's not the issue. Don't buy into this. How players are just incensed that they have to answer all these questions. No, 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 no. They are incensed that they are incensed that this tweet that was sent out by Dal Morey has affected their is a, has affected their bottom line and has their pockets. And they have every right to be pissed off about that. Okay. Every right. What's every every right? You, you cannot sit up here. I don't care how much money a player is making. Somebody takes a million dollars out of your pocket. You are gonna be you're gonna be pissed off about that. So if you're LeBron James, just go all in. Stop trying to just jump, dive into the pool. Stop, don't put one leg in or the other leg in and eventually put your whole body. Jump into the entire, take, dive into the entire pool. Okay, you don't, forget about this being politically correct. Forget about this passive aggressive. Forget about these subliminal indirect tweets. No, 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 no. Go all in. Say, yes, I believe Daryl Morey should, should face consequences. Because if, we, if one of us as a player would have, would have mentioned this, would have said something like this, said something like this, or tweeted this, we would face consequences. And in, in that meeting with Adam Silver, LeBron James addressed that. Adam Silver's you know, pushback was, hey, none of, none of the players basically got fined for criticizing Donald Trump. Difference is Donald Trump is, you know, an American president. Uh, Daryl Morey's tweet was towards, uh, you know, a country. <laughs> that was the difference. And the players were, you know, were you had two teams that were going to play a basketball game in China, along with the the relationship that China has with uh, the United States and the billions of dollars that you know that billion that billions of that billion dollar relationship. And how many players have you know shoe deals and endorsement deals with with China? All that matters. I mean, business. Listen, business is business at the end of the day. Business is business. And again, I you have the right. Listen, you have the right to say what you want. You have the freedom, you know, freedom of speech, but be prepared to deal with the smoke from your words. So Daryl Morey has to be prepared to deal with the smoke from the Players Association, from fans from LeBron James from you know you know uh the uh Houston owner all of that he could don't be surprised Daryl Morey could absolutely lose his job get absolutely if, if, if endorsements keep dropping if sponsors keep pulling out if, if this thing lasts another you know a couple weeks and especially into the season season start next to starts next Tuesday if people are still talking about this this time next week don't be surprised Daryl Morey doesn't have a job. Fair or unfair. So I think that, you know, if you're LeBron James, I just think that you got to go all in. I, I don't think you just, I don't think you hold anything back. You're going to face criticism regardless. I mean, people are going to call you out saying, you know, you, know, you can't call Daryl Morey out for freedom of, for freedom of speech when you speak out on social justice in, social justice uh, issues yourself. Uh, you know, can't breathe. All black, you know, Black Lives Matter things of that nature. 
So he's going to get the criticism regardless. You might as well be, if you're going to get criticized, be criticized for being 100%, 1,000% genuinely authentic and not afraid and not and not trying to politic this and not try to make the perfect statement. There's no such thing as the perfect statement. You're going to piss somebody off. It's just, it's just a net, you know, the nature of the beast. Especially as an African-American athlete who is worth... Uh, half a billion dollars. People hate on LeBron anyway for no reason. Might as well give him a reason. Might as well give him a reason. <laughs> they're gonna hate. They're gonna hate where you're right. They're gonna hate where you're wrong. They're gonna hate. You know, if you stay silent, just might as well just be a just be your your authentic self. Just be keep it one thousand. And I, I, I listen. He he comes out there and criticizes Daryl Morey directly. I don't see how you could, I wouldn't have a problem with it. Because he's supposed, LeBron James is supposed to be for the players. Period. He is supposed to be for the players. He is supposed to protect the players. I'm going to shift gears a bit uh, to some NFL and college football action. Uh, a lot of a number of big games, few big games in the college football. We'll get to that, but uh, week six of the NFL um, ended not the way the National Football League wanted to wanted it to end. Now, of course, with us and with media types talking about more about the officiating than about the fact that the Packers are five and one. Um, the last two. The last two calls, the two Trey Flowers calls in terms of uh, legal hands to the face are calls that a professional official should never miss, period. Um, that is a type of call that gets a team eliminated from the playoffs. Um, instead of the Detroit being 3-1-1, uh, they are now 2-2-1. Two, two Okay, three games in the win column out of first place behind the Packers and a game down due to losing due to uh, losing uh, in the division, losing that game in a divisional game at that. That was a big game, even only in week six. That's a divisional game. Detroit's going to be around that wild card in contention for the wild card around, you know, around possibly nine to seven. Um, that was a big game, and you know we've been talking about officials for years upon years. We've been talking about officials for years upon years, and it's just certain calls, certain calls you just cannot miss. You, you as a, a, a official, miss, it's one thing to miss the the call once, but to miss it twice, basically that's the same call. Against the same player twice, can't do it. Cannot miss that call. And uh, Detroit has every right to be pissed off. Now they did kick a million field goals, and there were times in that game early in the second, early in early in this first half, where they could have put Green Bay in a hole. They allowed Green Bay to stay in it, stay within striking distance, and next thing you know, they were in for a dog fight. And of course, you know. You let you allow Aaron Rodgers to hang around. 
he's going to do what Aaron Rodgers does. And that's, you know, take his team down and um, put himself in the, put his team in a position uh, to win the game. Um, they had some, they, Detroit had a number of penalties that extended drives. They set up with too many field goals. They were also shut down offensively in the second half. I mean, Green Bay, they had Detroit had 299 yards of total offense. I would say at least about 250. They had about 200, 230, between 230, 250 of that, 50 of that in the first half. They did nothing offensively in the second half. I mean, nothing. Um, Green Bay controlled that game in the second half. It was basically a tale of two halves uh, in terms of um, – in terms of how the the flow of the game and then Green Bay had three turnovers. So Detroit wins the turnover battle and still loses the game. They were negative I mean, which is hard to do. It's hard to be plus three and still lose the game. Or you should not be plus three and lose a football game anywhere. But ultimately you give Green Bay credit, they're still missing some pieces as far as the injuries to uh, Devontae Adams, who was a one of one of probably a who was developed into a legit top ten receiver. I mean, he's, he he really is developed into that type of player. He's by far their go to uh, player, go to receiver. Jimmy Graham is a shell of what he once was. He create he creates very little separation at this point. Um, so you know, Green Bay did what it had to do. <coughs> Excuse me, did what it had to do. Green Bay now has beaten everybody. In the division, they are three and zero. In that division, they are in control of that division. Um, I don't think Green Bay. I, I think Green Bay is a team that I still need to see more of with the offense, with them offensively. Um, but we know when you have Aaron Rodgers that you can beat anybody on any given day. Uh, I, I, if I were ranking the teams in the NFC, I would put. Green Bay behind both New Orleans and San Francisco. We'll talk about those two teams in depth a little bit later on in the podcast, but especially San Francisco. But um, listen, Detroit, you know, caught a bad break, or a couple of bad breaks with those calls. Those are calls that NFL officials should not miss, let alone twice, let alone once. Once, let alone twice. So, Tough, tough, tough break for Detroit, but that's life in the NFL. Uh, the Jets, you know, shocked the Cowboys twenty-four to twenty-two. Uh, this was the return, of course, of Sam Darno. He, you know, that offense. The Jets look like I told you, just a completely different team. I mean, the Jets without Darno looked like one of the worst four or five worst teams in the NFL. With Darno, they look like a team that could. Not threatened for the playoffs, but they look like a team that will be that I wouldn't want to see if I were trying to make the playoffs in late November in the month of December. Uh, the Jets have some players. They have uh, remember they've been bad for so long. They have a number of first round draft picks on that team. They have some they, they have some talent on that team. Do they need a number one receiver? Sure, absolutely. But they had there's a lot of talent on that team. Um, Dallas. Let's call it, you know, and again, not trying. I'm not a Dallas fan by any stretch of the imagination. But anybody who's criticizing Jason Garrett, you know, you're a thousand percent right. That team is not well coached. Uh, Garrett, 
first of all, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you why they're not well coached. I'm not gonna just look at just individual decisions in this game. I even talk about the fourth and two down seven to three, where you kick a field goal is seven to six, and then they come back with a 92 yard touchdown to make it 14 to three. Let's put that aside for a second. Put that aside. I'm talking about the fact that in the last three weeks, Dallas has came out as flat as a pancake. And to me, when you're coming out, you're down 17 nothing. you're down 14-3, you're down 21-3. That just shows that you're not ready to play. And that is coaching. Team coming out flat is coaching. A team coming out the half flat is coaching. That is nothing but coaching. Everybody has injuries. So I know they've been banged up in the offensive line. You know, Amari Cooper went down, or, you know, went down in that game with the, with the quad injury. Everybody has injuries. Everybody. That is life in the NFL. Okay. So, uh, you know, I don't want to hear about the injuries. Um, that's a horrible loss, even with Darno back, especially coming off back-to-back losses where everybody's basically be saying that you are a fraud because you can't beat good teams. Like, Dallas should have came out there and absolutely manhandled the Jets. Manhandled them. But this, you know, these are, this is what Dallas is right now. This is who the Cowboys are. They're going to be a team that, now again, no one's running away from that division. Philly's 3-3. Three and three. Washington and uh, Giants and Washington are not even relevant. Okay, so they're really they're competing with one other team, and they're competing for one spot because there's no no team. The NFC East is getting one team out uh, out of that division, and that's that's going to be the division winner. There's no way multiple teams are making the playoffs. There's too many other quality teams in the NFC. Um, so this was a horrible loss for Dallas. They come out flat as a pancake, um, and we'll see what transpires. Again, I, Jason Garrett. His job is not in jeopardy this year. He will not be fired in season. I don't think Jason Garrett will be the coach in 2020, but he will not be fired. I don't see any way that he's going to be fired in season. I don't see that happening. Because I think, you know, again, they, now, if they lost, like, if they were like three and eight, three and nine, something like that, that's, then there's, that's a situation where they've lost seven to eight straight. Uh, even if they're like, even if they lose to Philly, win the next game, go four and four. No, I think the wheels will have to completely just come off the fall, completely fall off for Jason Garrett, Garrett to be fired in season. Houston gets an impressive victory over uh, Kansas City, thirty-one to twenty-four. This is the bottom line by Kansas City. Um, don't be fooled by um, people saying, "Well." There's an answer for Patrick Mahomes. There's not an answer for Patrick Mahomes. You know what the answer is for Patrick Mahomes? It's him being on the sideline and you running the football. Houston held the ball for 39 minutes. They had 192 yards rushing on on 41 rushes. They outrushed Kansas City 192 to 53. There's still no stopping that offense. The offense had think think about this, right? That offense scored twenty four points in twenty one minutes, roughly. What if they had the ball, say twenty five minutes or thirty minutes? How many points did they score? 
So I don't think you can like the key to stop again. I, the key to stopping that offense is keeping them off the field and running the football. Now, Kansas City needs needs to do something as far as a trade, as far as getting someone a run stopper. They they they're not going anywhere with this defense because it's the the formula is going to be the same. These teams, you know, whereas Indianapolis, Houston, teams are going to run the foot. Don't New England? They'll fix eventually. They'll fix their running game over the course of the season. That's just a matter of time. Those teams run the football. Period. They run the football. So, if you can't, even Denver has a decent, Lindsey is, is a good running back. So, if it, they have to fix that run, that run defense, either. like not, not to a point to where it becomes a shutdown run defense, but to, to a point to where you can create more possessions for Patrick Mahomes. You get Mahomes on the field, like, uh, just, just get that offense on, have that offense on the field anywhere from 28 to 31 minutes. They don't need to be a, a, a ball control dominant offense. Because they're going to get, they're going to score quickly. I mean, they're going to have big, they're a big play offense. So they don't need to be on the field 33, 34, 35 minutes. If you, you're telling me that that offense is on the field 28 to 31 minutes, I'm going to, they're going to score 30 to 40 points easily. Easily. There's no matching up with that offense. Period. There's no matching up with that offense. But they have to get that run defense um, under control. The most impressive victory of the, of, I think, of the weekend, uh, of week six, was had to be uh, San Francisco but over uh, Los Angeles Rams 20-7. to This was a, de- uh, a dominant defensive performance by the 49ers. The 49ers are a legit Super Bowl contender. There's just no two ways about it. They have all the ingredients, um, especially, you know, with the franchise quarterback, the great defensive line, improved secondary. They run the football. What they did to the Jared Goff and the Rams, it should be illegal in 21 states. I mean, Goff had 157 yards. The Rams had 70, 157 yards of offense. Goff has 78 yards passing. Think about that for a second. 78 yards passing. That defense, with the like, that is a top five defense. That is a they they are they are a physical. They it seemed like the Rams just didn't want to be hit anymore. I mean, they punked the Rams. Period. Now, the Rams address them. You know, address. A need as far as the secondary, uh, getting Jalen Ramsey, who we know has all world talent. Uh, you know, you're not if you're the Rams, you're not worrying about the two first round picks in the fourth round, fourth round in 2021. You are in absolute win now mode. You're trying to win Super Bowl this year, you're not building for two to three years down the road. You already have. Listen, I, I think Jared Goff is a very good quarterback. I think Jared Goff can be a franchise quarterback. But Ty Gurley is still one of the most important non-quarterbacks uh, in the league. Period. Like that's not. I think we kind of forgot how good, uh, how great a player Ty Gurley is. A healthy Ty Gurley is. They missed. There's no two ways about it. How much they missed the Ty Gurley in that offense. 
Jared Goff is not at that point in school where he can, where he's going to carry an offense. It's just not going to happen at this stage in his career. He's not ready for that yet. And listen, I I don't I don't know if it's the rest of the league catching up to St. Louis or solving, excuse me, catching up to the Rams or solving Sean McVay. I just look at their offense ever since the Ty Gurley knee, the issues with Ty Gurley's knee. I there's no replacement. Like here here's you know this is what happens when you give a player. When you pay a player when you don't have to pay him. They made Todd Gurley the highest paid running back. They 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 could have waited a year and added pieces to their roster before they paid that contract. They did not have to give Gurley that contract when they gave it to him. Now eventually, yes, but when they gave it to him, they did not have to give him that contract. And I said this prior to the injury. I wasn't even thinking about the injury at this point. I mean, I don't think the injury wasn't a factor. So you give him that type of money, it limits you in terms of what you can do for the, in terms of your depth and the rest of your roster, and you create a situation where you have very little room for error, error when it comes to injuries. They are thin at the opposite, opposite line. They are, thin at, they are thin at the running back position. They are thin in a lot of places because they have so many high pass. They have so many, uh, so many guys making uh, so much money. And again, they were in Rams are in all in mode now. They are all in to try to get a championship. Philly has their way with, uh, excuse me, Minnesota has their way with Philly. Probably Minnesota's best win of the season. Uh, Kirk Cousins, big day for him. Uh, I don't know what the Philly defense does not. This does not look like the same defense of the last couple of years. I mean, this, this, their defense has been horrible for the most part this season. Um, they got to get that, they have to get that situated moving forward. I mean, everybody talks about Carson Wentz, but it has been, the, the Philly defense has has been uh, the main concern of, of, that, of that team. And, you know, it, you know, there was a time Philly, again, we were talking about Philly's having a top five, top seven defense. That defense is, is, is a mediocre at best at this point, at this stage. Of the season, um, Seattle takes out Cleveland 32-28. Again, Cleveland is absolute must see TV because you Cleveland, you know that you can count on wild games. You know that they can beat anybody on any given Sunday or lose to anybody on any given Sunday. So I, I I'm watching every Cleveland game. Regardless of whether they're on television or not, like I'm watching whether, whether it's prime time or not, like Cleveland is a must see team. They really are. I mean, you don't know what Baker Mayfield is going to do from one one throw or one play to the next, and he has been a absolute turnover machine. I mean, a turnover machine. If I'm Cleveland, I'm building an offense around Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb is having an all pro Cowboys season. I am like I'm using Nick Chubb like the Rams you use the healthy Ty Gurley. Maybe I'll answer it. Russell Wilson is the MVP of the league right now. 
uh, goes to me, goes to I, I think as great as Mahomes has been statistically, William Wilson at this point through six games has 14 touchdowns and no interceptions. No one expected Seattle to be this good. No one. And Seattle's defense is not great. I mean, their defense is not what it once was. Not, not even close. I mean, their defense is decent. But they're winning games with their offense. They win again, you know, they have again a guy who I would vote for MVP. They have a great running game. They are they are, they stick to what they do. They have an identity as far as offensively. They're gonna run the football. They're gonna allow Russ they're gonna allow Westbrook not Westbrook, excuse me. They're gonna allow uh Russell Wilson, because we know Westbrook can't close games. We understand that. And we'll we'll get we'll do some NBA uh soon enough. Some ba- actual basketball, not this overseas, you know, U.S. versus China. But um, Russell Wilson is one of the best closers in the, in the league. He really may he may be the best closer in football right now. Really is. He, I mean, he, his fourth quarter numbers, his red zone numbers are off the charts. And this is going back to even last season. But right again, right now, I would vote him MVP. Period. So, but. That's subject. That's subject to uh, uh, definitely subject to change. Big winner in college football again was LSU. Um, LSU came out there and was able to handle uh, Florida. Florida actually played a very good game for the most part. Um, Florida was up at one point twenty eight to twenty one in one of the most difficult places in college football to play. LSU hit the accelerator and that was just a gear. A level that Florida could not reach. Um, Joe Barrow has to be second in the Heisman right now. Nah, Tuga, uh, uh, Tuga, uh, Tuga, Tuga Valua from Alabama, who I without question is the front runner, but Barrow has to be second. I mean, this guy is throwing the ball all over the place. The LSU defense stood up in the second half of that game after being shaky in the first half. They really stood up in the second half. Physically took it to uh, Florida, and I think I, I like Florida. I think Florida has improved offensively. We know Florida what Florida can do defensively, which makes LSU's offense even that much scarier. The fact that they put forty-two points on Florida, you know, that Florida has a top defense, a great defense, not a good defense, a great defense, and LSU put thirty, put forty-two on them. Uh, Oklahoma is able to handle business against Texas. Probably shouldn't have been that close, considering some of the opportunities. They had in the first half. Um, Georgia somehow lost to South Carolina at home. Um, there's no way Georgia, South Carolina doesn't even belong on the same field as Georgia as far as talent goes. I mean, they really don't. Um, that was a George. That was a game where where Fromm was awful. Georgia was was at the sleep was basically fell asleep at the uh, at the wheel. Uh, put their you know their their faith and hopes into a kicker, and he missed a 42 yard field goal. Shouldn't have been that close to begin with. With all that being said, with all that being said, Georgia is still in the mix because they still have all play Auburn, have Florida, and if they play their cards right and win the SEC East, will play the winner of Alabama, LSU uh, in the SEC championship. Um, keep your eye, keep your close eye, keep a close eye on Wisconsin. Um, they are destroying people now. They have one real quality win as far as a ranked opponent, and that's Michigan. They still have Penn State. They still have Ohio State, but they're playing defense out of this world. 29 points in six games is just ridiculous. I mean, 
you know, even in the Big Ten, which is not a high-scoring conference, that's still insane uh, as far as the type of defense that they're playing right now. So there you go with the college football. Um, again, as the weeks go go by, um, it just the anticipation for that for that LSU Alabama game is going to be is going to be as anticipated as it has been since 2011 when they when they were when they were the two preeminent programs in college football, Alabama LSU in that order. Um, LSU right now has been the most impressive team in college football. They've beaten in terms of quality wins. You know they win. Um, they take out Texas. Okay, take out Texas, and now they take out um, Florida. No team in college football has that has uh, you know has that combination of, of quality wins under his belt. So LSU can basically write his own ticket and control his own destiny uh, in terms of the SEC championship. Now, again, everything's going to come down more than likely to the Alabama game. So we'll see what happens with that. As far as power goes, um, I told you last week that Lakeisha's catch that Lakeisha was going to die. Uh, we saw kind of saw that you know coming from a mile away. Um, a lot of people knock knock Lala's acting. I mean, I again, this it's all about expectations. I mean, I don't expect I, I don't expect Lala to ever be on Broadway doing uh, Macbeth. Okay. Or Shakespeare, like she's gonna play a hood chick, uh, around the way girl type. That that's about as much range as Lala has, to be honest with you, which is fine. I mean, we'll see what happens when she's on the shot because she's gonna be on next season of the shot. So we'll see what transpires with that. But um, again, overall, I, I was fine with this episode. Tyreek's development, uh. What they're doing with the with the politics with Tate, Ghost, and Ramona. Uh, eventually, you know, sounds like Tate is going to expose Ghost next week, possibly to I don't know to get him. Uh, Tate doesn't have many moves at this point. He needs to be you know siding up with Ghost, but at this point, I, I think that relationship has has uh, ran its course. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with Tate. They're not going to kill him. He's a senator, uh, councilman. You know, was a governor candidate. That's that's just not going to happen. So, I, you know, I very interesting to see what what they do with with Tate. It's evident now that Dre is back in the mix with his ankle bracelet off. Now he can he can make some moves. He can try to get back fully into the drug game. So I can see. So now I'm seeing what 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 it could be looking like for Dre moving in, in the future. Um, again, the Tyreek aspect of this story is clearly spinoff material. Book of Ghosts. This is all what Tyreek is going. You know, um, the plan for Tyreek. Tyreek uh, is going to be outside of Ghosts, probably the biggest, and and from an outside of Ghosts and Mary J. Blige, the biggest star on that uh, Book of Ghosts, following uh. Episode fifteen of Power, when, and I don't know when when the, when uh, Power Book Two Ghost is gonna come out. Probably late on. I would say late 
in 2020, probably summer of 2020, and maybe even fall of 2020, the way he pushed back some of these popular shows. But uh, Tyreek's not going anywhere before then. I don't believe Ghost, uh, Omar Harwick is going anywhere before before that uh, as well. He's going to lead that that spinoff without no without question. Now, it, could Tommy be killed in episode 15? Absolutely. Wouldn't be surprised at all. I'd be shocked if, if they killed Tommy before the, the season finale, which is, which would be episode 15. Now, I'm not talking about the fall finale. I'm talking about the January, early February finale in, in terms of next year. I, I don't see Tommy going anywhere anytime soon from that standpoint. So um, they do this every year. I don't know why they take a, a break this late in the season, but it's been happening the last two seasons. They did it after the Reina episode in, in, in 2017, which was which only with only one episode left, which made zero sense. They did and last year they did it after episode seven, right before Kanan got killed um in the um Friend of the Family episode episode eight. So, you know, they do it every season, late in the season. But everybody knows that we'll all be here come October twenty seventh at twelve oh one, so they know that as well. So when the supply, when the demand is high, you know, when the demand is high, you can do what you want. Again, congratulations to the 2019 National League champion, Washington Nationals. See, we'll see them in the World Series. And I will see you next time on this list, on the next edition of the Real Deal Podcast. Tell me like it is with no apologies. Thanks for, thanks for listening. I'm out. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.